0: program, Lori Rubinson here with you on the fan Sunday night here in New York City at 877-337-6666. Phone lines are open. Go ahead and use them or hit me up on Twitter at L and I will read out some of your comments on the air as well. Two ways to join the party here on Sunday night. T.G. If thank goodness it's football. Thank goodness it's football Sunday in the city. We've got Sus behind the glass producing. He's taking your calls. I can see him doing it right now. Coming up after me at 2 a.m., Patty Boyle, uh, got you covered for the overnight. All right. Jets fans, your team limped into the offseason. And I know you don't have a quarterback. It was uh, Joe Flacco in there on Sunday. Uh, Two backup quarterbacks, whether you want to call those uh, second stringers, third stringers, probably third stringers, I guess, playing off and in a game that meant everything to the Dolphins and pride for the Jets. And then we'll talk about the New York Giants in a moment and the way they approached week 18, which felt it was a loss. But when does a loss, eh, kind of fun, a fun loss <laughs> for the Giants, perfectly played and handled and managed by Brian Dable. But for the Jets, let's start there for a second as the season ends because we're going to get to the Giants. We're going to get to the Giants matchup next weekend, 4.30, kind of that 4.30 prime time slot. We already know, 4.30 on a Sunday, Giants are going to have our friend Kevin Burkhart, Olsen, Burkhart, Aaron Andrews, all that on the call. Kind of a prime spot featuring the Giants there. New York market, playoffs, all of that. So we'll get to that, to that matchup. But for the Jets, I just couldn't help Watching this game tonight on Sunday Night Football, the one that just ended, where the Detroit Lions, with seemingly nothing to play for except pride, knocking off the Green Bay Packers' Aaron Rodgers at Lambeau Field. And there were people, like Sus, actually, my producer, who's a big Seahawks guy. And I said this last week when the schedule was coming out, and last weekend, he was worried, "Uh uh-oh, the NFL botched this because the Lions would already know, if the Seahawks win, the Lions would know that they had technically, quote-unquote, nothing to play for. Except, as I told Sus last weekend, don't worry about the Lions, because if there is one team in the NFL that I feel confident with, quote-unquote, nothing to play for but pride, it will be Dan Campbell's Lions who will come out here And beat a division rival for the point of keeping them out of the playoffs and showing up. And that's what they did, the Lions. Why? Because, and and I, I owe an apology to Dan Campbell after that first press conference that he did when he was first became the head coach, and I thought, you know, this guy's over the top. It seems a little clownish in a way. It's how smart is he? All this stuff. You know what? He has an attitude that has rubbed off on his football team, and they play hard for him. Now, why am I talking about the Lions? Because that was a team that had nothing to play for except knocking a division rival out of the playoffs, and they did it. Well, the New York Jets. Nothing to play for except knocking a division rival out of the playoffs. A division rival crippled by playing their third-string quarterback, Skylar Thompson. And we can say, and we can look at the final score, and we can say, well, you know, the Jets' defense uh, came up big again because the final score, 11-6, to will boot out that, uh, that safety on the— Uh, you know, last-ditch effort on the last play of the game and call it a 9-6. So if we call this a 9-6 game and say, well, the Jets' defense gave up only nine points, that's true against a third-string quarterback. That's true. But if the Jets' defense is supposed to be the impact defense we think they are, then get turnovers and help your offense, which clearly is struggling so badly. And I understand we can say the Jets' offense depleted offensive line and all this sort of stuff, but you know what? Every team has injuries. And other teams are out there playing, you know, with more intensity, passion, heart. Or maybe it's smarts. I don't know, with the Jets. And so the question becomes... Here's, here are your questions of the night, Jets fans, to call in on to start off the show. One, who will be the Jets' starting quarterback next season? Who do you want it to be? There's options out there. Who should it be? And as we, as we have to do a post-mortem here on the Jets' season, now that it's over, what do you do about the coaching staff? Is head coach Robert Sala back? How about offensive coordinator Michael LaFleur? Is he back? Do you want him back? Should they be back? Have they earned this? And see, the problem, the flip side is, if you make changes because you say this simply wasn't good enough, this was a, you know, 7-4 football team, and how did they just limp to the finish line? losing six games in a row and finishing up seven and ten. How do they do that? Well, they didn't have a quarterback, that's for sure. But other coaches and staffs manage to either coach up their players or get more out of their talent certainly offensively, than the Jets team did. But see, the problem is, this is a football team that won two games three years ago. Uh, I guess it's like, you know, call it uh, three seasons ago. The last season, you know, two seasons ago, whatever, uh, they win four games. So two seasons ago... It's that new math. Two seasons ago, it's two wins. Last season, it's four wins. This season, it's seven wins. Almost doubling their win total year upon year. Now, is that good enough? No. Not when you start seven and four. Not when the talent on this roster, top to bottom, is good enough to be a playoff team. Not when you, you start seven and four. All you got to do, two more wins the rest of the way, come up with a couple of more wins. And they can't do that. But if you keep making changes to the coaching staff year after year, well, you kind of end up looking like the, uh, the Texans who just fired their head coach, Lovey Smith. So that's two head coaches in a row, David Culley, Lovey Smith, get one year out of the Texans. Doesn't really seem fair there. But if you're the Jets, how much do you balance the continuity, seeing progress, it is progress, matters, keeping systems for players, And watching, improving, keeping cohesiveness. How much does that matter? Continuity in the NFL versus where do you look at it and say, this is, we're settling for mediocrity. And it needs to be better. I'll tell you right now, I know there are people calling for, bring in Sean Payton. And I guess that means you're probably trading a first round draft pick for him to the New Orleans Saints. There are people who are going to say, bring in Jim Harbaugh. Get him away from Michigan, and is he ready? Rumors, he's talking, you know, potentially to the Panthers, and, you know, are the Texans wanting some of these guys, the Broncos... The Jets' job, in a lot of ways, should be appealing if they had a quarterback. They don't. And they're not going to have one of the top you know, draft picks. So where's that quarterback coming from? Is it Derek Carr? Is it Jimmy Garoppolo? Has Aaron Rodgers played his last game at Lambeau Field? Kind of felt that way with him walking off the field, but I wouldn't jump to too many conclusions in the emotion of the last game of the season. Lamar Jackson? Is Baltimore really going to let Lamar walk? Or will they at least minimally sign him to a franchise tag? Where is that next Jets quarterback? Who is it? And then, is there a coach you want to see out there? I'll tell you what I would do for the Jets. I'd probably keep, I would definitely keep Robert Sala whether I kept Michael LaFleur or not, I think he has looked overmatched. I think Mike LaFleur has pretty much admitted that he was overmatched, that he hasn't been able to properly develop Zach Wilson. And when you look at the way the Jets have just been pathetic in the first quarters of these games, they can't score points. Clearly there's something going on with Michael LaFleur and his ability to create those scripts of the, you know, we know head coaches, a lot of them script out the first 15 plays of a game. A lot of that's, the game plan doesn't seem to be working that well. And so I would bring in a senior offensive advisor for Michael LaFleur. The Jets had thought about doing that a couple years ago with this coaching staff. And then uh, tragically Greg uh, Knapp, veteran a veteran coach dies and they never quite filled that gap that void and so whether it is like of course a Frank Reich would be ideal but I think he's interviewing for head coaching jobs I don't think he'd be available as an offensive advisor maybe a Jim Caldwell if he doesn't get a head coaching job someplace he should but probably won't But I think they need an offensive, a senior offensive advisor to help Mike LaFleur. I think LaFleur has potential or otherwise go ahead and make a change at offensive coordinator. And say to Robert Sala, I like big picture. You know, there's areas to learn. Big picture with Sala. We're seeing some potential there as a head coach. The defense, his specialty has been good, has turned around this year from last year. But now they got to fix the offense and they got to figure out why this Jets team starts so slowly and in a game like today, there have just been games this season where the Jets didn't show up with the same kind of passion that we saw out of that Lions team tonight. So, 877-337-6666. That's the Jets. We're going to get more into that. I also want to get, and then we're going to hop into your calls, but I also want to get into the Giants as well. The Giants managed, and Brian Dable managed Sunday beautifully. He rested basically almost all of his starters, except for guys like Evan Neal, the rookie right tackle, who he wanted to get some reps and some playing time for, but all the starters that he wanted a Dable to rest and not risk injury, he sat. And yet, even with doing that, the Giants' second and third string players go out there and against the Philadelphia Eagles, the now number one seed in the NFC, and the. Final score 22 to 16. Eagles play their starters and have everything to play for. A first round bye, home field throughout. Giants, nothing to play for, locked into the number six seed. Dable does not risk his key players. And still, it was a fun ball game. Davis Webb gets a chance to play quarterback. Kenny Galladay with a one-handed catch. Lawrence Kajer making plays all over the field. Defensively, uh, some of the young players just absolutely balling out all over the field. Rodarius Williams seemed to be every place. Jared Davis, they picked up off the uh, Lions practice squad. He's out there. Ten tackles, six solo. Uh, One tackle for loss, half a sack. (laughs) Um, There were guys making plays all over the field. Micah McFadden, seven tackles, a sack, two tackles for loss. Guys making plays all over the field for the Giants. And and then they were trying stuff that uh, seemed a little silly. Um, in terms of the uh, the, you know the fake field goal, I think we've all now confirmed that Jamie Gillen is not the guy to try that with. That seems a little silly there. But be that as it may, Giants rest their starters, get everybody healthy, and yet still play a game that gave the second and third string guys reps and confidence. And if the Giants actually do, pull off the uh, technical upset on the road in Minnesota next weekend, 4.30 Sunday. Vikings are favored by three at home, which tells you what Vegas thinks about this. That's pretty close uh, spread there, and f- for a home team to get three means they see this pretty close. If the Giants pull the upset next weekend... Look, do I think the Giants would turn around and, and beat a team like the Philadelphia Eagles at all strength or whatever? No, I don't. But after getting shellacked the first time these two teams played, for the second and third stringers to go out there and, and give the Eagles starters a game, it was... It, Brian Dable managed to rest his starters, not risk injury... And at the same time, infuse confidence and energy into his lineup. That's only going to help this team as they build and try and build something here. And you contrast that, by the way, to the Chargers and their head coach, Brandon Staley, uh, head scratching there. Crazy day around the NFL. I think Brian Dable, I would hope, locked up head coach, coach of the year with that performance But plenty to talk about, breaking it all down, forecasting, and getting into some keys to next week's game with Minnesota. Uh, Taking your calls, 877-337-6666. Quick break. Be right back.